Hello, and thank you for listening to Cinephiles Digest. This is episode 103. And on this episode, we're going to be talking The Batman. We've been waiting for what feels like years for this movie. It's finally here. Uh, Should be a fun episode. Let me go ahead and introduce my co-host, Travis. What's going on, dude? Hey, Matt. I'm here. I will never let you down. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, for the occasion, we've got a very special guest. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time guest, uh, Kyle from the Suds and Cinema podcast. What's going on, Kyle? What is up? Matt, you stole my joke. I was going to say long-time listener, first-time caller. Well, it's a pretty easy joke, so I'm not going to apologize for taking it. I go for the low-hanging fruit, so. That's the tastiest fruit there is, am I right? Yeah, I'm right. Um, so the <laughs> episode 103. So Kyle, thank you for joining us. Uh, Tom uh, had a baby again, round two. So he's preoccupied. We'll say. Uh, so I don't know. Don't know when Tom will be back, but we're gonna keep uh, keep chugging along. So we're gonna we're gonna plumb the uh, the old Cinephiles Digest Rogues Gallery moving forward and see. Uh, kind of riffraff guests we can get on this show so kyle's the first of the riffraff so uh welcome bud. RP, tom glad to have you yeah <laughs> tom will be Thanks back for having me. so um before we get into the batman um the only thing that's going on in my life outside of the batman is uh elden ring which i'm assuming of course neither of you um are into it or are you uh, no, I'm still playing a game that's over three years old at this point, and I am loving it. <laughs> Twelve seasons later, Apex Legends. Am, for uh, those who don't uh, know, yes. what he's talking about. Um, I have been plagued with Elden Ring TikToks in my feed, so I'm aware of it. Haven't played it yet, but uh, I'm intrigued. Have you played any of the other uh, Soulsborne games, like Dark Souls or Bloodborne? Yes, I played Dark Souls two for about one hour, then I gave up. So, so you're a pro. Oh yeah, that's that's the extent of my experience. <laughs> it's pretty I've cool. This one is I've heard this one is more approachable. So, like I said, I'm I'm intrigued. Mm, I guess, but it's still pretty uh, unforgiving in many Brutal. ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Might be one of the best video games ever. How many uh, hours are you into it at this point? Um, about twenty-five. About twenty-five hours. It's her rookie numbers, Matt. I know, dude. <laughs> if I had it my way, I'd be eighty hours in. But, you know. <laughs> got a job, you know. I gotta have my uh, labor value exploited by the capitalist pigs. You know how it goes. So. Definitely. <laughs> While we're on the uh, video game topic, I did actually try two games that were new to me over the weekend. Mm. Did not play them both very long because they were pretty fucking boring. Um, <laughs> heard good things about them. Just don't really Ouch. think they're my cup of tea. First one was Unpacking. Unpacked one room. That was fucking dumb. <laughs> like, you just open a box, take stuff out, and place it, and then yep. you're done. <laughs> Not for me. And then, uh, I don't know the ti- the exact title. The Lawn Simulator game? Lawn Mowing Lawn Mowing Simulator? So, yeah. It took me, like, a half hour just to mow, like, a portion of the lawn. I was like, this is so boring and stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome to real life. That's how long it takes. I guess so. I guess that's the uh, appeal. 
So of all of the, I'm assuming Game Pass is the reason you played those, right? Yeah. So of, of all of the options available to you, you went with Unpacking, which I actually like Unpacking, but I understand why it would not be appealing to somebody. But Unpacking and Lawn Mowing Simulator were the two you pulled the trigger on, huh? Well, it was late Friday night. Didn't want to get into anything too deep, you know? It was mm-hmm. like, just want to try these. Had to install them. They have both had pretty small downloads, so that also helped. Um, but, you know, just wasn't feeling like sweating by playing Apex. And mm-hmm. don't know if I could have stayed awake watching a movie. So I was like, you know, I'm going to finally try a different game. And uh, <laughs> I failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> so back to Apex. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, well, while we're on the topic, Kyle, you, are you, you're an Apex guy, right? Is that the... the j- extent of what uh what you're up to these days video game wise or uh, do you dabble yes in other shit? i have been indoctrinated to the apex cult by mm-hmm. your other right, co-host here for Jeff. better or worse <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse yep uh used to be a Warzone guy got sick of that mm-hmm. started playing apex with travis and uh haven't looked back so i do uh dabble in the occasional narrative game i've been playing tales of arise here and there with uh whatever off time I have from Apex. So I enjoy those games, Tales of series games. But yeah, I, uh, I do want to try Elden Ring eventually. It's, I mean, with everybody talking about it, kind of feels like you have to try it at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, besides that, no, nothing really going on in life. <laughs> cool. Very cool. Just Apex. You guys are, uh, you guys are so cool. Love to hear it. Um. All right. Well, any any uh, business that we need to attend to? Any uh, topics of conversation anybody wants to get into before we uh, review this? Uh, your bat flick? Nah, I don't think so. Just can't wait, huh? All right. Yeah. Well, let's just get into it. Uh, we're gonna be talking the Batman. Uh, I'm sure I can find a clip. Let's uh, let's go ahead and listen. The mustache with the broken nose. It's Kinsey. Narcotics. He's one of the guys I got into it with at the Iceberg Lounge. What are you saying, Kinsey Moon Knights for the Penguin? Alright, Moon Knights is a cop. So, The Batman is directed by Matt Reeves, who uh, you would know from Planet of the Apes 2 and 3, Cloverfield, uh, the film stars uh, Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, Paul Dano, John Torturo, Andy Serkis. It's big. Big cast list, huge stars, huge movie. 
Plot synopsis is when the Riddler, a sadistic serial killer, begins murdering key political figures in Gotham, Batman is forced to investigate the city's hidden corruption and question his family's involvement. So, um, I'm going to put you on the spot, Kyle. You're the guest. Why don't you go ahead and uh, kick things off? Let's hear your uh, initial impressions of uh, the Batman. Sure. So... I really enjoyed the Batman. Um, I think it's pretty stylistic, um, especially if we're comparing it to the Nolan trilogy. Um, I'd say it's more reminiscent of, I guess you could say Batman Begins because the look of Gotham is different in that movie than the rest. But more reminiscent of um, the Burton Batman films, uh, at least the style and look. Uh, But this goes in a much more serious you know, tone with the noir angle, the detective angle. And I really enjoyed all of that stuff. Um, I think it has a well-written social commentary in it without it being too uh, heavy-handed. So I enjoyed that as well. And yeah, the acting all around was was pretty good. I, I think Robert Pattinson pulled off Batman well. He, I think the voice, that Batman voice, that, uh, was initially kind of mocked in Nolan's trilogy. I think he found like a good balance of that where it's it sounds serious and brooding, but it's I don't think people are going to make a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, the 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 way it looks, uh I think it's Greg Fraser uh cinematography. Mhm. Yep. A lot of good uh a lot of good shots and the look of it was pretty impressive, so very nice. All right. Initial impressions. Travis, let's hear him. Sure. Yeah, I was uh, pretty hyped for this. Matt Reeves is my boy. So is our Pat. <laughs> um, and I love the Batman. So was, uh, yeah, very excited for this one. I will say I liked it a lot. Don't know if I fully loved it. Maybe on a rewatch I, m- I might fully love it. Uh, I think the main... Issues and their kind of minor gripes would be, I don't think it needed to be three hours. Um, no, <laughs> but it does feel like it's setting up the world for potential sequels. Um, so, and it does feel kind of standalone in a sense, but it does also feel like a little, um, not like lackluster at the end, but it just does feel like a lot of seeds are being planted. And I guess on that level, it wasn't like fully satisfying at the end. Um, and I think another thing regarding this movie is it's just not as instantly iconic as some of the other Batmans, but it is maybe the most polished one. Like, I don't, I think this one will age very well, which I think some of the other ones, um, feel a little bit dated these days. Like they just feel a little corny or, um, like even Nolan's Batman movies, um, like Kyle mentioned, the voice is a little silly of the Batman and like some of the humor and like. Even just some of the editing and some of the shots, I feel like, are a little clunky. Um, I still love The Dark Knight. But, uh, yeah, I just think this one is maybe the most polished. Like, it'll age the best. And, um, yeah, I thought the take on Batman and Bruce Wayne were really cool in this one. It's kind of a different take than what we've seen in, like, the uh, blockbusters of the past. And, uh, yeah, love the supporting cast. Love the look of it. Um, it was really good. 
Yeah, I um, I mostly agree with you guys. So I, in many ways, I do think it's the best Batman movie. Speaking like as a fan of the character, like I love that we finally have like a broody detective story. You know, with the emphasis on like the 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 solving of a crime, and then just like. If if the the Nolan Batman movies are about like city saving Batman, and the Burton Batman movies are about like you know in the streets crime fighting Batman, this is like the broody detective, like looking for clues. He's just smarter than the cops, you know, like that aspect of the Batman character. I think this movie absolutely nails. Um, I love the look of it. Like I think it's filmed beautifully. It's a little dark. Uh, I could imagine if you saw this movie in like a theater that has like an old projector, you know, with like a bulb that needs to be changed or something that you could probably barely tell what the fuck is going on in this movie, but not an issue for, for my screening. I think it, it, it looks really good. Um, having said that though, um, it's too long. It does. This movie does not need to be three hours. Like <laughs> I understand that it's setting up the universe. And I, th- I do think that's one of the strong points of the movie is just like the world building and the aesthetic and the commitment to like the dark tone. Like I'm on board with all of that. I just think it's three hours is too long. There are some pacing issues, especially in the third act. Like if I had to pinpoint an area of the film that, doesn't entirely work for me. It is that third act. Um, but some really cool ideas, which we can get into uh, more in specifics as we continue to talk about the movie. But um, overall, really enjoyed it, especially coming out of the theater. I was really high on it. But as I kind of sat with my feelings and kind of thought more about the film, I've, I've cooled on it a little bit since then. Um, but in many ways, it's it's the Batman movie that, I've always wanted since I was a little kid because um, Batman has been my favorite superhero my whole life. I was Batman for Halloween three years in a row when I was a kid, grew up watching the animated show, all the movies, uh, read the comics. And um, this, this movie really reminded me of, um, um, I don't know how much either of you have read like Batman comics, but my favorite is uh, the long Halloween, which is like, it's essentially this it's a it's a murder mystery like tracking a serial killer it involves a uh, crime the crime family so the Maronis and the falcones like it's got riddler it's got catwoman um so there's a lot of parallels between this and the long halloween so i was eating that <laughs> shit up but um it's not without its faults but i i really like um this interpretation of of the batman and i do agree travis that i think this one will Maybe age better than the others. Possibly go up on a rewatch. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. generally, it did, definitely didn't disappoint. That's for sure. And um, speaking of Halloween, I did, did like how it opened on Halloween night, and um, like it did feel very reminiscent of Blade Runner with the uh, like narration and just like the the shot of the city and even like the see through umbrellas and all that. It was. Definitely felt like it was uh, trying to pay homage to Blade Runner, especially in the beginning. Oh, and the fucking uh, the Riddler reveal, the Ridveal, where he's just like standing <laughs> in the background. Oh, yeah. oh, that was good shit. Yeah, I was and ready to uh, 
dislike that opening because it felt kind of like they were just dumping exposition through a news uh, story. But um, yeah, when they when the Riddler comes in, it was pretty awesome. And yeah, I, I agree. I love the opening and the setting of Halloween. Like that's pretty amazing. And like you said, the narration. I like how it bookends the movie with the narration, and that stuff can kind of feel. Sometimes it can feel like corny and out of place in a movie, but it actually worked here for me. Oh, totally. There's There's been like a small amount of backlash to this movie in the sense that people say it's like, it's no fun, it's too dark. And I don't know if they just, I don't know if they were watching a fucking different movie than me or something, but like this movie is goofy in all the right ways when it comes to adapting Batman, who just by virtue of you know the character and the circumstances surrounding like his lore is inherently kind of a goofy character but like i love the like narration stuff like there were some pretty corny lines for sure but it fit like the tone of the film like sp- like the uh you know the i am vengeance stuff like some of the diary reading was like super over the top and like very deliberately dark and broody, which is is what the movie is going for. I, um, I, I like that stuff. You think the uh, "I am vengeance" is a uh, corny line or over the top? Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, <laughs> you don't like how it's uh, what about how it comes back in the end? I mean, before before I give you get into spoilers, like just that that thematic tie-in. Uh, that, I mean, I, I would like to talk about that when we, uh, get into a spoiler discussion. Um, one of the weakest aspects of the, of the film, in my opinion, is the, like, so the Riddler, generally speaking, um, in this film, I mean, Riddler is essentially like a Batman stan, right? Like, I like the idea, I gotta be careful because we're speaking generally it takes this notion of like online extremism and applies that to this riddler character who's like essentially like a a combination of the joker and i don't know like like jigsaw or something from saw right definitely jigsaw big jigsaw vibes (laughs) (laughs) so like i it, I'm trying to dance around like sensitive like plot details, but I really like conceptually what they did with the Riddler in this movie. I'm not a huge fan of Paul Dano's performance. I'm curious what you guys thought, but for me, like Paul Dano is a guy who was always capital A acting, and <laughs> I guess it makes sense <laughs> for a comic book movie. Like that would be the place for him to do that, right? But I don't, I don't know. I just I didn't like him in this movie. Yeah, uh, I didn't dislike him. My, but, yeah, one um, of my uh, co-hosts said the same thing that it's he's a little over the top, and uh, that didn't exactly work for him. But I kind of liked his performance and how he portrayed a mentally unstable person. And yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's corny in the right places. I feel like that performance is one of those aspects. Yeah, Like it's hard to top, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker. And it does feel like he is trying to emulate that a little bit, but I do think it is, I don't think it's a bad performance. I just don't know if it's as iconic as some of the previous villains. And 
again, it does feel like it's pulling from a lot of other villains that we've seen in movies, like the Zodiac Killer from Zodiac, um, and then also, <laughs> um, yeah, the one we just mentioned. But, well, and, um, and Seven. I mean, Kevin Spacey from Seven. Yeah, for sure. Even. I mean, even, so, even down to like... Uh, well, uh, that's a spoiler. But Kevin Spacey's character uh, does something towards the end of Seven that is basically a mirror of what the Riddler does in this movie. Like a lot of yeah. similarities with Seven. So I think all all of that, like, you know, feeling kind of similar to something we've seen before and then him, you know, being a little um, over the top in his acting uh, maybe brings his character or his performance down a little bit. But I didn't really have any problems with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because like part of what makes Batman as a character so iconic is his villains. Right. And we've had so many like iconic performances of Batman villains throughout the years. And I just feel like that is where this movie, at least when you're comparing it directly to other Batman films, is at its weakest. Because I feel like we're just like one great villain short of an amazing Batman movie. Like, I kind of feel the same way about Batman Begins as well. Like, obviously, The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, you've got the Joker and Bane, and they're both great villains, right? I feel like Batman Begins is kind of lacking, like, a like an amazing villain with an interesting, you know, concept that kind of explores, you know, what makes Batman an interesting character. And this movie tries to do that, but... It just doesn't quite get there, I think. And maybe it's just because it's a really busy movie. I mean, how many villains are in this fucking movie? There's the Riddler, there's Penguin, there's Carmine Falcone, there's... I mean, Catwoman's... She's not a villain, but she's like, you know, she's another tertiary character. And then, without being specific, there's a kind of epilogue at the end of the film that made me want to barf, but... Which introduces, you know, like what I I think what I most admire about this movie is that it's it's deliberately trying to not be your stereotypical like superhero blockbuster until that moment. Like it feels like I don't know if it was studio interference or if they just needed to do that to try and set up the sequels. But it felt like that scene was put in the film because they need to hype up the next movie, right? That's a very much a superhero trope at this point. And rub me the wrong way. When you compare it to well, everything else, yeah, especially the considering end, who it is. The end of like, uh, right. Batman Begins, too, is it's so perfect. It, but it's like so subtle. It's just like a sh- one shot, basically. And it does, I feel like, you know, well, not m- so much more, but it basically gets the point across that this movie tries to do, but in a longer form. Totally. Which is funny, I mean, without spoiling who, well, I feel like we're really dancing around <laughs> It's it. hard, right? Well, <laughs> if they've but, seen those movies, you basically just... Yeah, <laughs> uh, that actor, I mean, it just felt kind of felt kind of obvious. Like, the first time that actor was introduced to us, you, you could think, like, oh, man, this guy's destined to play Joker at some point in his career. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's circle back to that, because I disagree. Um, I really, uh, I don't know. Well, no, it just seems obvious. I don't think it's like amazing casting, but it just seems like obvious casting. 
Right. Yeah. I would make a reference right now, but it would spoil who it is. So I won't. I'll say. I'll save it for later. But um, uh, it's a pretty inconsequential thing to the plot of the movie. So I, totally. I kind of want to go back to what you were saying about the Riddler being a mediocre villain or whatever. I I kind of see what you're saying, where he he's behind the scenes a lot and he's just doing more orchestrating than than anything else. But I liked how they took changes to like a lot of the lore, the Batman lore, especially tying characters together and uh, his, his uh, family without getting into spoilers. And it's more about, like you're saying, it's a lot of setup, but it's more about the people in the city and the themes that they're trying to push across there where, yeah, Riddler is the main villain, but it's more setting up like all of the filth of Gotham and the corruption of Gotham. I would say that's more of like what they're going for. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. And I like I I I like what they're going for with the Riddler conceptually. Like I there's definitely I just feel like the commentary with what it's trying to do with that character is a little toothless cuz it just doesn't it doesn't go all the way. Like they go out of their way to com- to make um comparisons between the two characters and their upbringing but they're explicit about you know the riddler points out that you know batman's not a real orphan because he's rich right and Mm. he's like oh you know you have all this money i fucking slept with rats every night and they chewed my dick (laughs) off and you know (laughs) sleeping in the cold every night and several of us would freeze to death in the winter Uh, you know it's just like I like how like melodramatic like that dichotomy is. Like I think it works for the tone of the film. And mm-hmm. I really like that they basically take this like uh you know him recruiting these like like-minded followers. I've maybe already said too much for non-spoilers, but it basically the parallel is is right-wing extremism, right? Like that's the parallel it's trying to draw with the Riddler taking misinterpreting Batman's message and then by the end of the film recontextualizing Batman as a character and his aspirations as far as what he hopes to do as a vigilante. All of that stuff is cool for sure. It's just, I just wish it went a little bit further um, with the kind of themes it's trying to tackle. I mean, Oh, (laughs) so it, it gets into this like, um, white privilege is is said explicitly right and there was <laughs> in my screening when that happened it was it's catwoman's character who says it she references white privilege and the woman next to me who uh young white i i'm not a fashion guy but it looked like she was had like a nice designer handbag kind of shit you know uh when she, when as soon as the words white privilege left catwoman's mouth she audibly scoffed she was like Ugh. Oh, of course. <laughs> Can't get away from this woke shit nowadays, even in my Batman movies. And it's like, get real, lady. Fuck off. But anyway, like, you know, but that was it, right? That's kind of the extent of it. And it's, I just, not that I'm trying to say that this movie should have gone like full, like leftist politics, like anti-capitalist, but you know, it's there. It's just not really doing anything interesting with it. And I'm not going to hold that against the movie. I just kind of, it doesn't re- do anything for me one way or the other. If that makes sense, because it doesn't go far enough to like, commit to it. Well, you kind of said it yourself that it's, I mean, 
I'm not taking her side, but it is a Batman movie. It's a comic book movie, but that's kind of what I mentioned before. It's, I, I don't think that stuff is too heavy handed and it's, I feel like it's written pretty well into it. I understand what you're saying about it being toothless and that's, uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from, but you know, at the end of the day, it is a Batman movie. Totally. And I just feel like just, it's such a money making machine that we're never going to get that Batman movie. Right. Like not that I'm saying one. Well, (laughs) that's part of it. Don't even get me started on that. That's part of it too. But I just more so mean like, I mean, this is the seventh iteration of Batman that we've seen since the late eighties. And it's just like, you know, like they're going to keep rebooting this character you know, once or twice oh, a yeah. decade. And it's just it's, long after we're all dead. <laughs> and <laughs> I do think this movie does a really good job of trying to have a unique take on the Batman. But until you kind of shake off like the restrictions of being like a crowd pleasing blockbuster entirely, I don't know if we're going to get like a truly like remarkable examination of batman as a character and um, you know like i just i just yeah, don't see it's gonna happen. will that ever happen <laughs> that's what i'm saying like the, <laughs> that's gonna have to happen in con- the comics right like there's di- tons of comic uh runs that have dealt with you know spins on the batman lore and looking at it from a different perspective and really trying to like analyze you know get to the root of what makes batman an interesting character i just don't know if we're ever going to get that in the movie but um, you know, it, so one other be, thing. Oh, go ahead, Kyle. I will never, um, I will never know of it then. Cause I don't plan on picking up any comics recently, lately. No, me neither. <laughs> well, sorry. You guys aren't nerd virgins like I am, but comic, uh, <laughs> Batman comics are the shit. Um, so let's talk about, uh, our Pat. So new Batman. Um, I think, I love his Batman, mm-hmm. um, but there's really no attempt to like delineate between Batman as a character and Bruce Wayne as a character. Like one of the things I really admire about the Nolan Batman films is that there's a very distinct like, you know, this movie even mentions it. Like I think it's the Riddler who makes the comment, but he makes a comment about how the mask allows me to be myself. That's Batman, right? That's Superman. That's a lot of the DC comic characters. But the Batman, or like uh, Bruce Wayne is, you know, he's also brooding. He's also super emo. He has the same facial expressions. Like there's really no attempt to have an interesting Bruce Wayne character or for there to be this dichotomy of him like living a double life. It's not really there in this movie. I'm curious, like... If that's even something that you thought watching this, it like, was it an issue? Like, what did you think? I, I liked the uh, the different take on Bruce Wayne. Like, just because we've seen the like the rich playboy one so many times, and I don't know, I didn't really have a problem with him being basically the same, you know, with or without the mask. Um, because yeah, like in Nolan's movies, I don't have a problem with it, but like, he's very much a different person you know like he him as bruce wayne in the nolan movies he is like there is no like emo aspect 
to him or like any like even like brooding aspects he's just like this rich playboy who you know has like an alter ego right and the whole point or the whole time he's just like disguising his alter ego and that's why he does this silly voice and all that um so yeah i can see what you're saying with it like there not being like much of a contrast between the two but i did like this take just maybe because we haven't even seen it before yeah um i feel like this take is more intentional especially if they're going to i don't know if this is going to be a trilogy or what their plan future plans are obviously they're going to make this into some series of movies but that could boost its cred in hindsight like watching sequels to this and going back to it because this is a very new batman he mentions multiple times he's only been doing it for two years or less so like part of my problem was some of his physicality like he he's a lot smaller than the other batman but again like maybe he's going to beef up in the sequels and that's going to be like a you know that was when he was younger and the same thing here he's he Wait, you had a problem with him not being big enough? Oh, yeah. We need more <laughs> muscles. <laughs> Should have been John Cena. <laughs> Get rid <Come> of <laughs> No. Uh, no, but as far as Bruce Wayne goes, yeah, like he hasn't learned. He, he really hasn't become that that philanthropic, uh, you know, billionaire playboy or whatever, which he might, he might evolve yeah, he into even that fly. later. To, he sucks. <laughs> yeah, he might become that later to... Uh, you know, as we see at the end of this movie, kind of where where his his mind goes. So I think it was intentional, and it could be like you could look back at this and say, "Oh, that makes sense. Why he's not he's not that same Bruce Wayne that we see in the other movies." Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm hopeful that they make that an interesting dynamic in the sequels, the inevitable sequels. But for this movie, that was one aspect that felt lacking to me. Um, what did you guys think of Jim Gordon, uh, Jeffrey Wright's, um, version of Jim Gordon? Like for me, I like Jeffrey Wright a lot, but I mean, he's basically just there to like deliver exposition in the investigation (laughs) scenes. Like the whole movie, he's just like, Jesus, oh Christ. (laughs) Like the whole movie is him just like saying that and reading out loud. Like he'll read the Riddler notes out loud and then he'll be like, what is that? What what is a cor- a bad corpse? What's a bad corpse? And then, you know, it's just a moment for Batman to be like, you know, to, to solve the riddle. And he's like, oh, my. Oh, Christ, you're right. <laughs> you know, yeah, he like- felt like a tool. <laughs> he felt like a tool to keep Batman involved in the investigation because he's the one who has his back. So he doesn't have any agency himself. He is literally just a tool. So that way, when Batman shows up to solve these riddles and clues the other cops are like oh what is he doing here he's like no he's out. he's with me Mm -hmm. yeah and they do do some interesting stuff with that like i i like the idea of them being partners like like, as opposed to the nolan batman films where it's like batman sticks around just long enough to get the information he needs and then they do the gag where you know jim gordon will be like well what do you think batman he turns around and he's gone you know like that's that the the, that kind of returns to the uh, the well several times in the Nolan Batman movies. So I, I like the idea of them being partners. I just, it, it really does feel like he's just kind of there to like catch the audience up to speed and deliver, you know, read clues and do all sorts of stuff and, and, and like make sense of how he's able to just like, you know, 
be in these crime scenes and like, you know, manipulate evidence and do all this stuff. Um, the performance is good though. I like, I like him. I think he's a good Jim Gordon. I just think, uh, yeah, it's not really concerned. This move, this Batman movie isn't really concerned with developing Jim Gordon as a character, right? Cause we've well, seen Jim Gordon plenty of times. To he's that also point. not commissioner yet either in this version. Well, I mean, that was a Nolan. That's not necessarily part of the lore. Is him oh. like becoming commissioner? I mean, it, it's a thing. Again, that has I, I know more, nothing but. of the like com- being comic book accurate means nothing to me. <laughs> as long as it looks good on the screen, I'm happy. I'm not super concerned about that that aspect of accuracy, but it's just yeah. I mean, he he doesn't wield the sort of influence that we see Gary Oldman's <clears throat> Jim Gordon exhibit. Yeah, Oldman's right. given way more, and um, I just th- I th- yeah to this point. Um, this movie is way more concerned with telling the story like through Batman. Batman is on screen or, you know, it's from his perspective, a lot of this three hour runtime. Um, I just watched The Dark Knight this morning and there's good portions of the movie where the Batman is not involved whatsoever in the scene. Um, so I think that was maybe part of the reason why, whether it was an intentional or not. Yeah, there's just yeah, not enough given for Gordon in this movie. But um, yeah, to your what what you said, I thought his performance was solid. Um, let's um, let's wrap up general impressions so we can move into spoilers. Um, I got a question. Let's hear it. What's the question? Non spoiler. If there was one movie that you could name that the score borrowed from, what would it be? Hmm. No, probably. I don't know. I mean, it's not it that repurposes. <laughs> it's not that theme. different than the Dark Knight. Well, yes, it does repurpose the Bat theme, and yes, there are some like Zimmer has, Nolan sounds to it. It has horror uh, sound cues as well. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. That's mm. what I'm working, probably getting at. Towards it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Warmer>. um, <laughs> not gonna be able to pull the name though. That's all I got. Mm. I was getting under the skin vibes. What? Hmm. Dis- yep. Hard disagree. Listen to it again. It's like <laughs> I, seriously. It's like a almost like a pale imitation of the like the main theme of Under the Skin. Oh, it's definitely um, at pale. times. I know. I'm not saying it's on par with that. I'm just saying it feels like it was borrowing from that score. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to watch that. There's movie two again. sound. So that they use in the score that sound very reminiscent of Under the Skin's score. It's just not as like heavy or like drawn out as the Under the Skin score is. Glad you brought up the score. I was gonna mention that. Yeah, I don't. It's your the boy. Under the Skin score just <laughs> it, no. Yeah, the Under the Skin score stands out to me like as being amazing, and this score is very underwhelming. Besides the songs that repurpose that Batman theme, like I love the the use of those. But yeah, I. I think Michael Giacchino's a little overrated, but I know Matt Reeves. I know he's boys with Matt Reeves, so he I mean, had to do it. He scores every other fucking movie. Nowadays, I know, but I actually, I think I really like the score in this movie. I think it's 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 memorable. It's effective. I like the score as well. Um, but beyond the score, I mean, that, were you guys loving the Nirvana? No, but yeah, the, the Nirvana uh, non-diegetic uh, something in the way usage. Were you guys loving that? Was it too much? I thought little, it was cool. Uh, 
on the nose, but I, it was okay. Oh man, I was loving it. <laughs> but when it came what back the... at the end, I was like, okay, half star bump. There we go. Oh, well, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Double yeah, did you down. see that? Did you see that? Uh, I guess his look is supposed to be inspired by Kurt Cobain. Yeah, is that has that been corroborated or is that just someone saying that? Because I did see like I did see that, but is that something that Matt Reeves said or? I don't know. I listened to one of his interviews this morning and it didn't touch on Kurt Cobain or Nirvana at all. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's, that came after the fact that they heard the Nirvana song in there and they just happened to put two images together. Would have to check the source on that, but yeah. I was getting big clickbait it's all, it's, vibes. It's hearsay. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, um, but yeah, I was loving that. Um, who haven't we talked about? Oh, oh I will. S- oh, it's sticking to the music. I will say the music use in the club scenes. Great. Uh, oh, yeah. The, you like that? The use uh, of music in the club scene in the dark night. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not good in the dark night. Who made someone? Uh, I think it was Alesso. Did he make he made a song oh. for this movie specifically? That makes uh, sense. And then they used a Bauer song. I'm pretty sure. That's why it was banging. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good, uh, good picks there. You guys are speaking in a foreign language at this point. Um, so, you need uh, a cipher? <laughs> <laughs> fucking club scene. Did you guys love... like? So uh, speaking of people saying that this movie is humorless, I was loving fucking Tweedledee and Tweedledum, the bouncers at the at the club. Oh, yeah. They're love those good. guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very comic book touch. Like... One guy, you know, one twin opens the door and he's like, hang on, closes the door, comes back with the same guy. And he's just like, yeah, he says, this is Bruce Wayne. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Matrix vibes there. Oh, the the white haired uh, <laughs> twin fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Rip off of Matrix. Yeah. Um, no, I, like them. I like them as well. They were funny. I got a kick out of them. And I also, before we move on to non-spoilers, need, we need to talk about the penguin. Um Mm-hmm. I mean, underutilized, sure. Clearly, they're setting his character up for sequels, but mm-hmm. I loved, like, he, probably my favorite performance in the movie, Colin Farrell. Dude, I still Penguin. can't, like, Believe there's, like, him. maybe <laughs> one line of dialogue where I'm like, okay, yeah, that's Colin Farrell. But beyond that one line of dialogue, fucking unrecognizable. Unrecognizable. <laughs> his voice, his look, like, everything. I, I literally watched the movie trying to see Colin Farrell. and <laughs> <Yeah>. failed. <laughs> Failed miserably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so it was, good. It was impressive. And uh, he has he is behind my favorite scene in the movie. Is it the one where they show the him car the picture chase? of the body? The and chase. he's like, oh, what are you showing me that picture for? Huh? <laughs> Get that out of my face. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then they tie his feet up and he has to waddle like a penguin. Like a penguin. It's oh, it's I, so good. I loved that. That so was good. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love the sense of humor in this movie, whereas the humor in Nolan's movies is barf worthy. Like that cop who's like, have a nice trip. See you next fall. Like, oh, shoot me. <laughs> yeah. Some of the humor is pretty cringe yeah. in The Dark Knight. Um, yeah. Not great. Love the humor. Um, we can talk about the car chase, though. That was probably the highlight in terms of action in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of a handful of action scenes. I, yeah, I did like it. but it's a car chase, man. It was pretty good. I don't know. I was <laughs> underwhelmed. Like, I loved it. Did I you? Love the, the, just the, I love the use of uh, traffic. Like, 
it's so obvious, but it doesn't happen in a lot of car chase scenes where, yeah, you're just going to run into traffic because it's a big fucking city. And I love Penguin trying to, like, you know, yell at this just shitty suburban in front of him, like, get the fuck out of the way. And he can't go around him because he's in line, you know, bumper to bumper traffic. And uh, the Batmobile, like, again, this is an early iteration of Batman. So a lot of his stuff seems underdeveloped, including the Batmobile. It seems more oh, realistic the Batmobile in that way. this fucks. <laughs> I hate yeah. the Batmobile in this. Are dude. you kidding me? Not it's even. the coolest Batmobile by a mile and a half. It's just a half. fucking car, dude. What are you talking about? There's yeah, and it's fucking badass. <laughs> no way, dude. The well, so I'll I take... love I love muscle cars, so like I'm probably biased, but I don't know. I think it yeah. just looks super badass. Muscle cars like the are fine. The, the Tumblr's really cool too, but that's like mm. a high tech, you know, like futuristic version of a vehicle. I'd like the like, just the muscle car ness of this one. I don't know. Not my Batman. Hashtag not my. Batman. Oh my god! Don't <laughs> start me, that bullshit. Take, <laughs> give me fucking Batman and Robin Batmobile any day of the week. Oh Batman for Joel Schumacher's Batmobile. Yes, inject it straight into my veins. Even the Tim Burton Batmobile, amazing. And to your point though, Kyle, I mean it makes sense that he's like he's only been Batman for a couple of years, like. You know, yeah, you there's put- no Lucius Fox in this movie. You know, there's no R&D <laughs> developed like whole company that's making this shit for him. It's mm-hmm. literally just him by himself. And uh, another character we haven't talked about yet, uh, Alfred. But yeah, he just feels it feels like all the stuff, you know, a lot of people are saying, um, you know, Batman's all about his gadgets. He doesn't have any gadgets in this movie. And it's like, again, it just feels like an early version of Batman. And that stuff might come in the sequels. So to be Fuck fair, your gadgets. You know, I, oh my God, Travis, I can't believe you said that. So to the point about the gadgets, though, I also think that one of the coolest implementations of like gadgetry that we've seen in Batman movies is the like eye contacts that record stuff so that you can like freeze images and he can like, you know, like it's a cool concept, especially in the detective scenes because he's intruding, right? So he like doesn't have to like, take the evidence he can just look at it and then fucking screenshot that shit later and like turn it upside down and zoom in like that was really cool the stuff that they did with Catwoman with the uh, eye contacts was cool Um, outside of that my favorite scene in the whole movie is the escape scene with the bat don't say it with the bat suit you didn't like that oh Oh, man with the fucking GoPro camera so so good (laughs) it's just head is I don't. I, I was trying to think of the effect that they used for that, uh, the phrasing of what it would be. But yeah, like his head is just like stationary, and he's only covering the top quarter of the screen. Oh, I hated yeah, that I shot loved so it. much. Oh my god! All right, oh. break the tie, Travis. What'd you think? The bat Wait. dive. Oh, the, the glider dive suit. itself, where he dives. Yeah, where he. Well, I guess the way it sounds like what we're discussing is the way it was framed, like visually, like from a cinema, cinematography mm-hmm. level, like him diving and like the. I'm guessing with some sort of like GoPro type thing where it's like attached to his body as he's like diving. Uh, I'm guessing some some high tech. I'm uh, I'm Team Matt, but definitely not my favorite sequence in the movie. Not even like top five. I blacked out after <laughs> Team Matt, so that's, that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> I found it weird too that he got to the roof and was like he almost was afraid to like there was like visible fear when he looked over the edge like of. 
I don't know it's why. New tech. Yeah, like, he's, he's never used that. He was like, "All right, let's let's see how this goes." I guess. He grapples around all the time, though. Yeah, grappling is different. Says Batman. Been flying. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it was huge. <laughs> Love that scene. Um, all right, I we let's get into specifics. Um, so here on this show, we give our star ratings before spoilers. So any other general impression thoughts <coughs> before we give stars? No. Mm. Nope. Fuck yeah. All right. Um, Coming out of the theater, I was between a four and a half and a five. Today, I'm between a four and a four and a half. But talking about it. Um, it's making me go four and a half. I'm I'm gonna go solid four and a half. Officially, the second best Batman film after The Dark Knight. Hell yeah. Uh, for me, it is a four point five. Mm-hmm. 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 Bring it home, I'm Kyle. Going with a solid four out of five on this one. Very cool. So we loved it. All right. Let's get into the nitty the nitty gritty. So, if you have not yet seen the Batman, uh, see it. What are you doing with your life? Um, but skip ahead. We're talking spoilers now. Um, where do you guys want to start? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I don't know. The ending. Mm, yeah, we can start at the ending. Um, I'm, would you guys agree that if it was kind of the weakest, uh, like the whole Madison Square Garden climax thing? Uh, that I was mean, Gotham Square Garden. Yeah, yeah. But it was Madison Excuse Square me. Garden. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they didn't even try to like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like literally calling it Gotham Square Garden. Like, God. Um, <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> but so, so I like... In the lead up to that, I like the scene at Arkham where mm-hmm. they, you know, he talks to Riddler and Riddler unveils his master plan and he's like, wait, I haven't figured it out yet. And he, you know, another exposition dump. There's lots of exposition mm-hmm. dumping in this movie. But mm-hmm. um, I was a little confused by like, I don't know. It was kind of underwhelming. Like, I understand that his followers were there so that they could like, you know, take out the city's elites with rifles because they're all congregated in the garden. I get that, but it's just, it felt kind of underwhelming. Like for that to be the culmination of the plan, like love the flooding. I love the idea of like flooding the whole city and like the chaos that that creates. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, like the idea of these just fucking like right wing douchebags, like, wearing the same outfit just like in the rafters like how do they even get up there like there's logistically i have con- i have questions but oh here we go <laughs> <laughs> like what did they put on their fucking saran wrap and army gear like after they got through security into the garden like I- kyle you you're a huge fan of logic uh did you oh, have yeah. a problem with that um well, How'd they get in I don't there? I understand the... <laughs> How'd they get up there? Like, <laughs> the, yeah, it was in a time of... <laughs> Panic? <laughs> crisis. Also, you have to remember, it was used as a shelter. It's not like there was a game going on and they had security set up. I don't know the exactly the logistics of you know, them getting there and everything, but... It wasn't, though. No, it wasn't. They were There was an event there for the mayoral race. 
that's why the mayor was there, and they had the stage set up and everything. People were already yeah, but there right, but then after the bombs it's, went off, they quickly said everybody turned go into to, a, yes. like an evacuation space. Yeah, so it kind of was like a dual purpose. Right, right, but I mean, how how could they have gotten? So what you're insinuating is that they must have gotten in during the chaos and somehow managed. That's to That's what up I there would assume, like, at least. I mean, how much I mean time, obviously they don't explain it, but yeah, I mean, realistically, how much time could have passed though between the bombs going off right. and them getting in there? Because like we see the people finding out about the explosions and like the threat of flooding in the garden. And there's really not much time that passes between that and the shooting. Like it, not a big deal. It was just like, yeah, it, those minions are ready. <laughs> Locked ready and loaded, roll, baby. Dude. They're already strapped in with their uh, safety harnesses. And they got their, uh, army surplus gear. Yeah. On. Coordinated the outfits. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, I, the ending. I will say also left me a little underwhelmed. I had that feeling watching it again. I like what they were going for thematically, and mm-hmm. I know that it's obvious to draw that parallel to right wing extremism. But this obviously isn't taking a stance one way or the other. These are just like literal extremists. Um, mm. But yeah, that whole uh, angle of you know killing the elite and then the literal. Uh, literally washing away the, you know, washing away that corruption, as as they would call it. Uh, the ending that was fine, uh, but almost the had ending... like a uh, Dark Knight Rises feel to it, a bit. Mm-hmm. In the sense that uh, there's a ton of logic gaps and the whole thing kind of falls apart <laughs> when you uh, put any sort of scrutiny, uh, apply any sense of scrutiny to it. Yeah, I agree. Well, just it being like relevant and like the whole city being at stake, you know, and I don't know that. Yeah, the stakes felt similar, at least. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it wasn't as bad as The Dark Knight Rises, but um, just the fight, like just the 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 way that it crescendos at the end, like him fighting off the goons and stuff and then hanging from that jumbotron and them taking shots at him. And the shots are always just to the left as he's, you know sliding along this thing and uh, someone pins him down and has him like has him dead to rights and just enough time for Catwoman to get there and save him it's all like yeah that's every movie Kyle relax uh yeah but (laughs) didn't need it here so the um the woman who was sitting next to me the one who scoffed at white privilege she i i think this might have been the first movie she's ever seen in her life like oh she God. when batman climbed on the electrical thing and cut it she gasped like she just saw her child dead in the street or something she was like oh my god when he fell yeah. in the water she was like convinced that he like that was it he was dead and i was like lady have you ever seen a movie before? Like, I wish I could get into movies like that. <laughs> I know, dude. We watched too much. We watched. Yeah. yeah. This was probably the first movie she had been to. Like, she was pretty young. So she probably hasn't seen a movie since fucking, I don't know, the High School Musical trilogy or something. Like, she seemed like that kind of chick. Wow. But she was loving it. And you know what? I honestly think she was there for the commercials. Because before the movie even started, she was laughing I haven't heard someone laugh at the Eminem commercial in years. Dude, I had a similar experience. The, 
<laughs> she was loving that Eminem the girl commercial, a row in front of me i forget which commercials they were but she was like dying laughing and she was one of those people who would like react audibly like she wants everyone to hear her reaction yep, yep, in the theater yep and she was like these are actually really funny <laughs> i was like <laughs> no one cares lady <laughs> wait so the lady that scoffed at white privilege was laughing at the m&m commercial oh she loves probably the best commercial she's ever seen dude. doesn't she, she know it. doesn't she know that m&ms are woke now like she shouldn't be laughing at that i know she's just she's just not <laughs> tuned in dude they took away the green M&M's high heels. What the f- <laughs> fuck woke culture, dude? I want my green <laughs> M&M M&Ms. to step on balls. I want her to be a bad bitch. She just, um, they I want to get an erection every time I think about a green M&M. I do. I still do. Like that part hasn't changed, you know, but you know, I can't believe not my green M&M. Uh, Hashtag <laughs> not my green M&M. Back to the climax though. Uh, I do think, the climax made for some great shots like him hanging from that wire looked amazing and then uh when he's got the flare and leading oh, the yeah. city out of the water you know the stadium also looked amazing it's pretty cool i mean i it was a little i don't know i mean they weren't trapped like they were just kind of hanging out there in the water and he was like he held out his hand and there's clearly hesitation and it's like I don't know. Like that moment played a little melodramatic to me, but it's it's hard to accuse a soup fucking superhero. You love melodrama, movie. Matt. Come I on, love, embrace it. I love Pedro Almodovar, <laughs> Douglas Sirk. Not this faux fucking. <laughs> uh, hey, I can finally talk knight. about uh, all that heaven allows. I finally watched it, Matt. I can't wait to talk about it. After oh, this. can't wait! All right, let's let's wrap this up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares about the Batman? <laughs> um. So, any other thoughts on the climax? I feel like there's a lot to talk about, but I'm uh, just re- well, real quick about the people, him saving the people. You like the uh, him saving the boy? You know, obviously that is a reflection of him. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not um, not uh, <laughs> over the there's top. There's some good melodrama or, uh, for you there. Yeah. I didn't mind it. You no. know, it was uh, <laughs> heavy handed. Sure. But, you know. Yeah. I liked that. Uh-huh. I, I will say I liked that angle that they don't show the whole, you know, his parents dying. Thank God. Thing. You know, they got rid of that, but they were still able to weave some of that emotion in there through the eyes of this boy who, you know, whose uh, dad dies or whatever. And Bruce Wayne kind of sees him or Batman kind of sees himself in him. And mm-hmm. we get enough of that just from that alone. We don't need to see the whole scene where his parents die. And I like the I like how they keep it ambiguous too. You know that whole the whole Carmine Falcone, Maroni, and uh, like they and Alfred. Basically, everybody's telling him someone else, somebody different killed his parents, and they always end it with "I wish I knew for sure." So they never like really give a definitive person about who killed his parents. Right. It's never explicit. Yeah. It's not like uh, Tim Burton's Batman where it's like, yep, the Joker yeah. killed Batman's parents. <laughs> That's just what we're going to do here. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, I also like the ambiguity in the sense that uh, it's not conclusive one way or the other that his parents weren't killed after leaving uh, to see Shrek at the movie theater. Because... <laughs> 
It's entirely <laughs> plausible <laughs> in 2001 that they could have gone to the movies to see Shrek. So I love that internet theory. Um, <laughs> at the Wayne's Rap Theater. <laughs> Biggest movie Shrek. in 2001. They, they, yeah, <laughs> probably was what they saw. So I love that they preserve the mystery there because it, it could be it could be that they did get gunned down after seeing Shrek. So I love that about it. But um, what did you guys think of the way that it tackles legacy and the fact that like Thomas Wayne in the other interpretations of Batman that we've seen, he's kind of been like a sainted figure. Like it's never really mm-hmm. been, there's never been any question about the fact that he was a philanthropist doctor type, you know? And he was just like, there's never really been in the movies, any question about him being a good person. I really like the idea of, you know, legacy and him not being as um, a little bit more morally complicated than he was just a saint. You know what I mean? Like, I like that they yeah. take that approach well, here. Yeah, he's kind of like a, a false idol. I mean, they try and play it both ways where it's like, oh, he wasn't as great as you think he is. But then Alfred's like, no, he but was so a good, good. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I liked how that played into Batman and like his arc. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just that it's again, a li- it's trying to do a different take on like that character story element. Right. But I mean, it's all it also is a little because the the insinuation is that the Thomas Wayne foundation, like the renewal fund upon Thomas Wayne's passing, like all the criminal elements, just like, I mean, I don't really understand the implication. Like, did they just, did these mobsters just like start applying for grants and like, it was just giving out free money. Like that's kind of how the movie presents itself. That there was like a gold rush from the foundation and there's no oversight, but like, who was running the foundation? How did all these criminals get this money? Like, I don't know. It, it's not quite airtight when you really think hard about it, but it didn't bother me per se. Well, wasn't that part of the 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 angle that um, Carmine Falcone wanted to have dirt against Thomas Wayne? Did that not lead play into the renewal program? I mean, it played into his death. Like, they... He he had the dirt, and Thomas wasn't willing to, like, bend, so he had him killed. Like, that's the theory that's posed, but it still doesn't explain that, like, how all these... How the criminal element <clears throat> was able to get all of the money from this foundation. Like, right. I guess it could have implanted some sort of stooge, like, like a rat, I guess. But, I don't know. It's not made explicit. It was just something that I was thinking about as far as like logistically how that would have worked, but it, uh, I'm not going to say it bothered me. Need the four hour cut. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see that director's really cut. flesh that out. <laughs> the, the 10 minute Joker scene at the end, really flesh out that fucking pandering. Would have loved that. Um, mm-hmm. Did you guys like that? The Arkham scene, Barry Keegan, did you know it was him or did you, I looked up after the fact I didn't, I was like, his uh, voice sounds familiar, not, but... Yeah, I could not recognize him. But yeah, I looked it up after uh, that. Um, I, I it, was sure. able to pick it up. Well, you love Barry Keegan, but so you... He's, he's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that that scene felt really out of place to me. Um, it was a little much. Yeah, it, I was thinking about it, too. Like, if this is a trilogy or a series or whatever, when is the Joker going to get introduced? Because it's bound to happen, and... You know, I kind of would love to see a build up 
of Batman more. Like I said, now this is an early Batman, more of a build up to to the Joker, um, maybe in like a third movie. But I don't know. I feel like yeah, it feels like bringing him in now is like pandering just to sell tickets. Because but he is already in prison though, so it's hard to say exactly you know where they'll take that character. Or, you know, yeah, I mean, they could do a multiple, multiple villains again, um, you know, and maybe he won't be in the forefront. But I mean, it definitely seems like similar to Penguin. Penguin is going to be at the forefront. But yeah, I'm sure yeah. there will be at least one or two others, if not more, in the mix. I mean, every get real, right? I mean, like every <laughs> every villain in this movie, with the exception of Carmine Falcone, because he gets he gets got, you know. They're all going to be in the next movie. Riddler mm-hmm. is going to be a stooge to the Joker. Penguin is obviously going to fill the power vacuum in this, you know, as a city is rebuilding. They're going to mm-hmm. introduce Two-Face. I'm sure Two-Face is going to be in there. It's like, I think there's some sort of leading up to, I bet Batman's rogues gallery is going to like come together and there's going to be like a, you know, he's going to have to take down all the villains at once, but I think all of the villains that we saw in this movie are going to be in the next one, plus more. Are we going to get a Robin? <laughs> I The kid at the start? Eh? <laughs> With the thugs? <laughs> 15 years later, we're going to have uh, our Pat. He's still going to be emo as hell. It's going to be an aging uh, an aging emo, and it's going to be... He's going to have Batman, or not Batman. He's going to have Robin. I don't know. I... They, you could do something interesting with Batman, or excuse me, with Robin, that we haven't really seen before, right? Because, like, we have Robin in the Schumacher Batmans, but he's pretty oh, yeah. corny. Mm-hmm. How and could you we, forget? <laughs> the fucking uh, Jogo Lev Batman bullshit in Dark Knight Rises, they, they at least allude to it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Reeves try to, tries to integrate robin into into the universe there's a way to make it work you know what i mean i do like batman as like a a solo act though he doesn't need a yeah a sidekick he doesn't need a sidekick but i mean especially like they could work together just don't go on missions together and stuff you know we already got that in this movie though we have a little corny I think the more that I think about it, I think they probably will introduce Robin because this movie very deliberately frames Batman as, you know, there's a whole scene where he's like, I I never knew I'd see fear like that again. Like, you know, I never want to see the people I care about in a compromised position. You know what I mean? So it's just ripe for introducing Robin, him falling in love with Robin and then him being abducted by the fucking Joker. And he's got to go rescue Robin. And it's a whole thing. Like I could totally see them laying the groundwork for having that character. That makes sense. Cause uh, that was a huge, or that was a something that they teased in the Snyderverse, that uh, plot line of the Joker killing Robin. Did they? The Snyderverse uh, well, could not give two shits about. I know. I don't even know what you're talking about. Is that uh, in the extended that Justice League or something? Or? <clears throat> they have the shot. It's in BVS. They have the shot of Robin's suit, and it says, ha, 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 on it, and it was from the Joker. And it's insinuated that Robin was in that universe at some point, and he was killed by the Joker. Oh. And, and people went crazy for it. 
that's part of what drove uh, Batman to fucking have guns and kill people <laughs> in the Snyderverse. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yep. I love I love Zack Snyder's Batman. It's huge. Batfleck. <laughs> Hashtag not your Batman. <laughs> Batman. Um, okay. Let's wrap this up. What a joke. Hey, we, we didn't really touch on Catwoman too much, though. Yeah, no, oh, she's so was... hot. How big were your boners? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> very hot. Yes, very hot. Very I don't know. If she uh, tops the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman for me. Oh uh, as, no way! Oh, as yeah. a whole, or in terms of hotness, but uh, yeah, very hot. I'm more interested in what you thought of their relationship because some people, and I guess I can see this. They didn't like how it was kind of like shoehorned romantic relationship. Like at first when they first kissed, right? It, oh. To me, it seemed like it was just Catwoman using her sexuality, kind of what she always does. It, but then it comes back around at the end again, like to make them seem like they actually are romantically involved. I don't know. She that, wants that the bad dick for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the end, the end, end. Oh, were like they like the ride together? Shot? Yeah, were they split off? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's little this, corny. It well, yeah. I mean, they literally do the thing where it's like, you know, we have different paths in life. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we love you, but we can't. I love you, but I can't be with you, kind of thing. You know. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'll take it. I'll take that. But, but as a romantic relationship, together. you think that worked? <laughs> Come on. Uh, I mean, yeah. Mostly, I don't I think it's perfect. With that. It's yeah. hard to, yeah, it's hard to see the Batman character romantically involved, especially this take, the like the mm-hmm. emo version. But um, he always does have some sort of love interest in the movies, so I think it makes sense. It was, yeah. I mean, it's crazy to me that you can have a three-hour movie and there be underdeveloped plot points and characters but that (laughs) that is the case here um i don't i'm i will stay i will say that they definitely should not have in this movie explored that more because there's just no time (laughs) when your movie is three hours but so it makes sense that it i agree that it felt a little not forced i mean maybe um Fast tracked. They fast tracked it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it it becomes romantic kind of out of nowhere. Um, But, you know, I'm not going to advocate for them adding another 20 minutes to the movie. Well, it's also weird that half the movie she is trying to get over, you know, her her first partner. Oh, right. Like it's pretty obvious that they're yeah, that they were together. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And like like half the movie, she's searching for her, trying to get over her, and then it's like, all right, uh, she's dead, so moving on to Batman now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, not perfect, but I didn't have a problem with it. But her performance is really good. I li- I like Zoe Kravitz a lot. I think she's mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. And, and Colin Farrell are probably my two favorite performances. John Torturo, we haven't even really talked about him. I, he's yeah, he's good as Falcone. He just has to be himself, really, to do that. He can phone in a performance like that, like, any day of the week. Mm -hmm. That's that's just John Turturro. Yeah, that's his career. He did it in Transformers. (laughs) 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 
He's just Turturro slander. Great. No, I love no, John Turturro. It's not a it's not a knock. That's that's actually a compliment. Like he can just mm. turn out a performance like this like it's nothing because he's fucking John fair, Turturro. Fair. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, okay. Any other thoughts before we wrap this up? There's, I'm sure there's more to say, but. Oh yeah. Um, I do. I I, I have a, I, I have one last question. Yeah. And that's yeah. this is the end of my notes. Do you feel like the movie felt a little small, in that it felt like a lot of the same scenes and set pieces are being replicated? Like, how many times did they go back to the Iceberg Lounge? How many times are they on that construction site? Like, it felt repetitive in that nature. Mm. And I don't know, by the end of it, it just didn't feel like it had the same scope as, I mean, it, the Nolan movies. Yeah, it's because this movie's so dark and because there was no IMAX shots of the city. That's why it felt smaller. <laughs> I do like the those shots, though, the IMAX city, shots in Nolan's movie. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, come down. I mean, yeah. this could be. Yeah, it could be just uh, overthinking it, but I don't know. Though sometimes I see what you're saying, but I don't think I really had a problem. Mm-hmm. I do think some of those sets are really good. Like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know. Just the whole like city vibe itself, I thought was done really well. Yeah, oh, totally. This is the best version of Gotham City in a movie, for sure, that we ever had. Like, I think that's definitely something that Matt Reeves excels at, is, like, world building. So that aspect of it, I loved. Um, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up, Kyle, but I could I could see... I mean, they definitely are reusing environments, but... Right. Went um, to the Iceberg Lounge one too many times. <laughs> Because there were yeah. what three three scenes at the Iceberg Lounge, like three extended scenes. Oh, at least. Well, in the is am I wrong in thinking that the mob hideout is in the, isn't that in the same building? And they go there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, multiple times. But yeah, uh, my only other thing would be that you, Travis, you touched on it before that this one hundred percent should have been rated R. I would have loved it. Like I think it. I think there's a lot of aspects that. Could have made it better as a as a rated R movie. Oh, the Riddler stuff for sure. Full mm-hmm. jigsaw, just straight up murder. <laughs> I want to see brains. Yeah, I wanted to see those rats burrow in that guy's chest. Oh yeah, we didn't even get to see that. Been sick. Or the explosion. We get to see you know oh, the guy. Yeah. That's it. What I like that that was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. That that scene at the I think it was a church, right, where the guy sh- crashes the car in there and he's yeah. got the thing on his neck. Like that was Peter Sarsgaard. Cool. Mm-hmm. That was a good shot. <clears throat> I got I got one last question. What do we think about the riddles? Were they good? Some were better I, than others. I I think they could have been <laughs> a little better. Yeah, I think they could have been a little bit better, but a little um, more clever for the most part. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I like the fact that it's a, like a detective mystery, but at the end of the day, like I I can't help but draw comparisons to other. I mean, we've alluded to it already. Like, there's definitely Fincher vibes between oh, you know yeah. Seven and Zodiac. Like, but those movies just do it better as far as the like mystery and detective like aspect oh, yeah. of it. So it's, I like that it's going for that, but. It doesn't feel derivative, but it does feel 
a bit lacking in that sense. And some of the riddles are better than others. I do think, I mean, they're stuck on the fucking rat with wings riddle for like an hour of the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just a dumb, Penguins not very wings. clever riddle. And then when they're like, oh my God, Falcone, Falcon, Falcon. Okay. whoa, yeah. shit, it's Falcon. Mind blown. Lots of uh, bird bird puns in this movie. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my question is, uh, the, for as far as the riddles go, why? How does he have blinking, working lights like embedded in the floorboards? Come on. Oh, when he pulls weird. up the carpet, <laughs> he pulls up the rug, and like the lights are flashing where the bombs are at. I don't know, dude. He's got like, uh, maybe he's got that that uh, social simple media. handiwork. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he took that money that he got from his uh, his uh, being an influencer with his 500 followers. <laughs> he took the money from all the ads and shit, the sponsored posts that he was getting. Installed oh, yeah. some floor lights. It's easy, dude. Just th- just use your brain for a second, Kyle. <laughs> I did think the yeah, Riddler's broadcast was uh, kind of funny in a uh, like a darkly humorous way Those were, when he I, was like thanking his followers and all that that uh, was pretty good <laughs> i like that aspect of it i yeah i read somewhere that it took it took paul dano like 200 takes on some of those iphone clips i don't know which one specifically huh. it was alluding to because it was oh, another God. one of those like oh this looks like clickbait articles but something about <laughs> paul dano using 200 takes to like nail his iphone stuff and I was like, Paul Dano would. That fucking guy's so yep. weird. Dude, relax. <laughs> I 200 takes. I would love to see the other 100. The outtakes. <laughs> well, it's in the draft you know, folder, if dude. <laughs> if you're playing a Batman villain, you have to do something eccentric to be remembered. So he was just trying to pull from that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. Joke's on him. One of the least memorable Batman villains ever, but... <laughs> Damn. Um, I mean, I mean, it's how it's really hard. Like we've talked about Heath Ledger's Joker, but I mean, when you're going to be compared to Jim Carrey's Riddler, like there's only so much you can do. You know what I mean? You're never going to top the goat. So no. it's like, <laughs> why even try? But, you know, mm-hmm. well, again, he was trying to like replicate so many other like performances or characters that we've seen in other Batman movies or other movies in general that I think that's the reason why he doesn't stand out as iconic because he's borrowing from so many other like things we've seen before right with like the Joker and Heath Ledger's Joker that was like a fresh take on the Joker and we hadn't really seen I don't know we haven't seen we haven't seen like a character performance on that level yet so I think because of that, he like pales in comparison. Oh, totally. And I'm not sure that we ever will. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, not to like, I like the dark Knight a lot. It's not a perfect movie by any means, but like the reason the why highs are high. Movie, the reason why that movie the is so successful, very high. <laughs> it's because of Heath Ledger's Joker though. You know, like yeah, any but- scene he's on on screen is it's magnetic and, the writing of his character is so good. And, ugh. I also think the pacing of the dark Knight is really good. And like the, um, like the popcorn, like blockbuster aspect, it like really delivers on like certain moments. This one is like a lot more, you know, darker brooding and doesn't really like have those highs like Nolan's movie does. Um, if we're comparing the two, but, um, 
yeah i Mm -hmm. I still think the dark knight is probably my favorite it's maybe Mm -hmm. not perfect but i think it does have like the the highest highs for sure i agree okay is that it that's it for me that is it fuck yeah dude all right well that was the batman that was the longest review we've had on the show and honestly years (laughs) three hour batman movie calls for a long review that's that's (laughs) very true (laughs) fuck yeah all right well let's move on to uh to what else we've been watching um i post cram jam i have not watched much at all i've seen some stuff you know but Mm -hmm. very much been in a video game mood the past like six weeks so there's some stuff i'll talk about but um Travis, you know I'm dying. I'm dying to hear. Sure, what you we can start with uh, all that heaven allows. Mm-hmm. So the main reason why I watch this is because I'm going to do a plug here for Southern Cinema. Uh, they recently did a Todd Haynes premium that I guested on and watched Far from Heaven again for the premium and uh, was thinking, you know, I really need to watch All That Heaven Allows. Partly because of the premium, but also because I know Matt had it very high up in his top 100. I think mm-hmm. like in the top 20 somewhere. Yep. It was like 17, 18, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I will say this is superior than Far From Heaven. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved it. It's got a uh, perfect runtime under 90 <laughs> minutes. It, uh, <laughs> it looks amazing. I-, I think just some of the shots and... Um, there's some good like snow sequences in it and stuff. It just and there's some really good shots like through windows and mm-hmm. it's good stuff. Um, and then yeah, I just I really like the main relationship between um, Rock Hudson's character and the lead uh, Jane Wyman, mm-hmm. whoever that is. Not really familiar with her, but uh, <laughs> the only real gripe I have. It's not even, I mean, it's more of like a a nitpick, really, would be the end does feel a little convenient and, like, wraps up nicely very quickly. Um, But I don't really have a problem with that because I think to, like, keep its runtime and just to, like, not drag it out too much that it, it worked well enough for me. And I love the, like, very ending. It's just, like, the... The event that kind of kicks off the very end is just feels a little convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Rock Hudson's uh, ailment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, everything else I pretty much loved about it. And it, it is kind of fascinating watching a movie from the 50s tackling like a taboo subject of basically this widower wanting to just like date a younger man and it being such an issue. And, um, I just like how she basically like has to like go against every, everyone else in town or in her life to like, you know, do what she wants and be with who she wants to be. And I thought that was lovely, but, um, Mm -hmm. it is a banger. I would highly recommend it to, Anyone interested? It's only going to get better, dude. It wasn't until my rewatch <laughs> that it made it oh, into man. the top 20, so just you wait. 
Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> Those colors, oh, the color palette, maybe my all-time favorite color palette in a movie. It's just so amazing. Just the snow scenes, the fall scenes yeah. with the leaves. Oh, Laura, uh, uh, Jane Wyman's dresses, Rock Hudson. Oh, is a hunk? Just, he is a hunk. I mean, Far From Heaven is good, but after watching All That Heaven Allows, I'm just like, Man, nice try, Todd Haynes. But, right. Uh, <laughs> we already had the superior version over here. Mm-hmm. Well, so that opens the that asks the question: uh, Is Ollie fear Ollie fear eats the soul next on the list? Because that is also a uh, interpretation of all that heaven allows. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Is that Fastbender? Yes, it is a. Rainier Werner Fassbender film. I don't think I've ever seen a Fassbender film, but I do love Jay Chiel's review of Ali Fear Eats the Soul on Letterboxd. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, it's have great. To look it up. Yeah, that movie. I watched that movie <laughs> in a film class. Um, so I've only seen it once. I, I've been wa- I've been dying to revisit it, especially after rewatching All That Heaven Allows because I just love it so much. But yeah, uh, categorized under mature, horny <laughs> housewives, interracial MILF. Hell yeah. <laughs> you got to read the comments on that review, though. It's it's good stuff. All right. I'll have to do that later. Yeah, cool. maybe is, I uh, my Todd. question is, <laughs> if you're not a Todd Haynes fan, will you still like all that heaven allows? I think so. I don't see why not. You're right, not a then. okay. You're not like a fan of him per se, but you're not like a hater either. No, I'm not so. a hater. Kyle was uh, <laughs> not enthused by Haynes as a whole. I was not, and I remain to be unenthused. Fuck was was Carol in there? Carol's oh Carol. Carol Carol's, was in the mix. Carol's great. Carol stole the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Carol's amazing. Ran away with it. But uh, Kyle didn't really like Safe, which is embarrassing. <laughs> I, I am not embarrassed at all by that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Safe is really good, but I, I'm not going to come to your defense on that one, Travis. It's a gr- fantastic well, film, but not... I, don't know. I mean, Matt said fantastic, so... But not like uh, you have a uh, huge boner. You that, that well, was in your top like twenty too, right? T- yeah, that's, right, that's in right. your top top top. You got to listen to the uh, premium, but <laughs> I do admit that I've come down a bit on that movie since I've continued to rewatch it over the years. I don't think it'll ever hit me like it did the first time. I think I was just in the right space at the right time for that. You know, lightning in a bottle. You're in your safe space. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, how dare you promote someone else's premium content on this show? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if he wasn't on the show <laughs> right now, I wouldn't. <laughs> hey, save it for the end when Kyle gets to plug his shit, all right? <laughs> I know you were on it, but come on. We don't run ads in the middle of the show here, Travis. <laughs> Yeah, we've been hyping up our premium content for <laughs> years at this point, and have I'm yet to for do the, I'm waiting for the Patreon to drop. Hey, <laughs> any amount. Matt, you say the word. 
we're just waiting. We gotta build up the hype, you know. That way, people don't <laughs> scoff at the uh, the fifty dollar a month uh, <laughs> entry level tier. <laughs> if you want content, you got content. You got content, but but it's gonna cost you. Um. Okay. Love to hear it. All the heaven allows. Huge. Mm-hmm. Um. Let me pull up my diary real quick. I don't. There's not a ton I want to talk about. Did you guys watch the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I did. Watched did it not. for you, Matt. For me? What do you mean for me? Yeah, saw you watched it and uh, had to pop. Yeah, you saw that two and a half star review and you're like, I gotta watch this. No, actually, well, I mean, it was partially because of you, partially because of coming on the show, and partially because of the split reviews. Had to see what this was and was all about. Split, split reviews? It's, Who loves it? What? Who? Yeah. Uh, People like I this follow, movie? It's I all negative, but... Four star, two four stars. Yeah. Pretty, yeah, it's pretty split. those are called heroes. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, like, gotta have a reason. It's. I mean, you guys both gave it a low score. Its average is two point oh on Letterboxd. Even at its eighty-one minute runtime, I could not pull the trigger. <laughs> Here's the thing: it's not. It has a lot of promise. I think it starts off strong, and there's some really good gore in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. someone gets their like forearm broken and then Leatherface uses the bone sticking out Mm. to like impale like shove it through someone's neck that's pretty cool never seen that before um but it's your the butt Matt yep yeah you knew it was coming but uh (laughs) it is every actor in this movie um I don't know how they get work everyone's so bad in this movie it's remarkable how bad everyone is i mean even like i like elsie fisher in eighth grade but she's she oh, in she's movie. in this yeah she's yeah. like the main character dude we're one of the main nice. characters in there. she's mm-hmm. brutal um it's just so unremarkable full disclosure i like nodded off at some point watching this piece of shit <laughs> Um, it's only 80 minutes i know dude that's how <laughs> you know. when you start when you start losing me halfway through an 80 minute movie you know you're doing something wrong but uh. it just felt like it was just trying to do too many things i mean it, it tries to have some sort of commentary on like gentrification but does nothing with it and mm-hmm. i don't know it just it just really loses steam in the second half i just was wholly uninterested in Leatherface's shenanigans and I don't it's just boring it's very it's uh, it's not a bad movie it was just unremarkable especially after I I feel like it kind of starts off relatively strong strong is a strong word but <laughs> it's um uh, I had high Matt, hopes the, the best scene is towards the end though the bus oh the the murder fest That's in the bus amazing um it was pretty good I, I woke up <laughs> During that part, I was like, whoa. Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, yeah. Uh, I will say I mostly agree with you, Matt. It is um, pretty unremarkable and dumb, but that's kind of what you expect going into these movies. Uh, I thought the premise was pretty stupid, the whole setup, and didn't really make much sense, but um, I guess it's just mm-hmm. a way to get them to this isolated town. Mm-hmm. And... The fact that it's like a legacy sequel where it's wiping away all the other sequels and reboots and this is supposed to be 50 years after. So 
Leatherface is what 80 here or something like or even 70 like it's just they take they take the route that right. Halloween went down and right like the original Texas Chainsaw it's just a fucked up family of like sadistic cannibals it, there's nothing unremarkable like supernaturally or strength wise and then this he's like a fucking unstoppable force he's more like the shape in this than in Halloween than the original Halloween yeah, and I mean, it's part of what makes Leatherface so interesting in the original is that he's like kind of a bitch, right? Like he is subservient to the family, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's the puppet of the right, the mother or whatever. Yeah. The family. Totally. So he he's more like a almost like a dog almost, you know, like an attack dog or <clears throat> something. Like he's just doing the bidding of mm-hmm. his parents so it's like for him to be this like killing machine in this movie like that's that's the route of all of these legacy slashers right i mean they they mm-hmm. end up just being killing machines and th- this i feel like if they were gonna do that they could have leaned into it a bit more like the fact that they have one of the original characters in this movie for presumably no other reason than <laughs> being a callback to the original you know it's just like so out of place and i don't know it's not a it's not a horrible movie but travis you can skip it i do feel like it was uh meant to be more stylized in the fede alvarez way because i think he was supposed to direct this originally and he has a writing credit on it so there's like glimpses of that style but it doesn't i don't think it pushes it nearly enough oh speaking of uh fede alvarez i heard he's uh gonna do a new alien movie and really scott's gonna produce he's the reboot yikes he sure is a huge alvarez he loves existing ips Mm -hmm. um i mean evil dead is pretty good haven't seen it yet so i'm I'm withholding judgment from that i need to rewatch it i was it was all right from what i remember i like it it's fucked it's it's fucked up which I'm into. Uh, yeah, I'm just not. I'm yeah. not a fan of "Don't Breathe," I guess, and still mm-hmm. haven't seen "Girls Girl in the Spider's Web." So, but I heard it wasn't wasn't anything special. Yeah, very cool. Well, Matt, you're the king of trash, and you only gave this a two and a half. So I figured it wasn't really worth my time. It's not. Yeah, you can pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of trash, did you guys see Jackass Forever? I have not I have yet. Not yet. I. Oh my god! Why am I, I know. here? I know. <laughs> How have you not seen it yet? You got to see Jackass in the theaters. I mean, it's well, part of the experience. You know, I, I would like to go with someone, and I have no friends, and Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea's not out. interested. <laughs> well, she went and saw it when she was in Utah with her brother and some of his friends. So I'm on an island over here. You know? I mean, don't hey, if you. If it's not funny enough to make you laugh without an audience, then it's not that funny. Come on. Well, that's not what I'm saying. Out. I'm just saying it would be fun to go with someone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it would be. It's a gr- I agree. It also makes you feel better, especially going there with like a, you know, a girlfriend, a wife, a fiance. Um, makes it easier to laugh at all of the dick stuff in the movie, which there's a lot of it. Let me tell you, this movie, there is so much dong in this movie. I was loving it. There's chock full of dong there's potty humor it's everything you'd ever want cole come oh my god travis you like cream like you've never seen (laughs) my interest is peaked literally 
people are being showered in cum. We're talking like fire hose cum. Like seriously, you got. I can't tell if you're you being got, serious. No, I, I am. I've never been more serious. Soaked, head to toe, soaked in cum. Okay. Oh my god. So you need to get there ASAP. Okay. I loved it though. I mean, I, you guys haven't seen it, but if you like the other Jackass movies, it's it's more Jackass. I, I I'm was a fan. Dying laughing. Um, it's just it felt so good to be back watching these people again. You got some newcomers with, with the boys. Back with the boys, you know, just hanging out, <laughs> hanging dong, hanging dong, getting soaked and cum. It's it's a perfect movie. Uh, 2022's best film so far. Going out on a limb here. Two months in <laughs> and saying definitively Jackass Forever is the best film of 2022. Um, That's Clyde then? Better than Batman. Better than Batman, for sure. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at my I mean, list They're here. pretty much the same movie. Yeah. Just <laughs> different, just about come in different ways. <laughs> Jackass is more explicit with its come worship. But. Um, Kimmy? Did you guys watch Kimmy? The new Sa- Soderbergh joint? I did. We did an episode on it. Oh, nice. Um, what did you think of Kimmy? Did you like it? I thought it was okay. I thought it was watchable, but it's one of those definitely one, was, uh, one and done, one and done. No sudden move. <laughs> uh, I like no sudden move more for sure. It was no no sudden move. Is oh, what it I was no say. no sudden move. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was no no sudden move. <laughs> um, yeah, I liked. Uh, you know some of the rear window disturbia aspect angles of it, but um, just the whole. You've never even was seen kind rear of, window. Well, yeah. So I'm, how, how can you is, like it? I said I said aspects <laughs> of this movie. Uh, I'm just kidding. All right, yeah, calm down. I just thought the mystery was kind of underwhelming, and where it goes wasn't that interesting. And I don't know. I think I like Soderbergh's. When he's experimenting more, and this kind of felt like it wasn't really going for anything. Unsane? <laughs> oh, I love Unsane. <laughs> so does Matt. Yeah, insane for Unsane. I Gross. so I I've got a weird relationship with Soderbergh. I think he's arguably the most overrated director, maybe of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I, I've never given one of his movies more than four stars. Um, I would he's say perfect four star movie director. Honestly, he's like most of his movies I've given that I've seen, I've given four stars. So he's like, I like what he's doing, but it just doesn't resonate with me. I would say this is probably controversial, but I would say Unsane is my favorite Soderbergh movie. No way. Followed by probably Logan Lucky, and then Kimmy would be right behind. Have you seen that. Magic Mike? Yeah, I like Magic Mike. It, it, Magic Mike's up there too. Contagion. Yeah. Contagion is pretty good, but I, I'd take those other movies. Matt, you should check out No Sudden Move. I liked it quite a bit. The uh, fish bowl or fish eye lenses <laughs> fish or whatever lens. that everyone's complaining about did was not a problem for me. Hmm. Loved it. I'm it's I'm curious. I'll probably watch it eventually. Um. Yeah, I I liked Kimmy quite a bit. I like that it was kind of the first movie that really embraces 
COVID in a way that makes it feel like more organic than some of the other like media that I've seen <clears throat> that re- recognizes the fact that we're living in a pandemic right now, you know, like her agoraphobia I thought was really well handled in the movie. Um, I do think the climax kind of jumps the shark a little bit like it those villains stretches they're so funny (laughs) and they're pretty inept too like they're a little like bumbling like what are these Mm -hmm. people these are professionals like you know (laughs) kind of thing uh stretches believability a little bit but again zoe kravitz uh she's great in it i really like her character i think it is an interesting all of Zoe Kravitz in this one. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I'm in the, <laughs> in the Batman, we get to see it through a tight white t-shirt. Uh, Kimmy says, what if there was no t-shirt? Mm-hmm. And that's the movie. Um, gross. Can't believe I just said that. Um, <laughs> Kimmy is really good. And Zoe Kravitz is really good in it. Um, How about issues, your boy? Mm. Which one? Derek, oh, Derek, Derek Delgadio. Delgadio. <laughs> so... He, his arc was ruined. You guys are probably aware of this. Did you know um, that if you see a character in a movie using a non-iPhone, they are probably a bad guy. The villain. Yeah, there's a clause that I recently heard about this. Yes. Yeah. So I was aware. So at the very beginning of the movie, when Derek Delgadio is on like a windows monitor that looks like a macbook <laughs> monitor i was like woof this is the bad guy i can already tell and that then later so silly later on in the movie <laughs> he uses like a google pixel or some shit and i'm like what okay so he's clearly the bad guy and they even the movie even distinguishes between kimmy kimmy's a tech worker her work computer is a pc her personal computer is a macbook Mm-hmm. like it's just like once you see it you can't unsee it kind of thing you know like and, and they even use, uh the actual ios like facetime right mm-hmm. yep she yeah. uses facetime when she's talking to people so it's like she's a good character but obviously the movie is like critical of like tech so the fact that her work computer <laughs> is is a pc i mean that makes sense right like obviously most workplaces unless you're like a like a designer, like a creative type or something is, is probably going to be, you're probably using a PC, but still like the fact that I knew that Derek Delgadio was going to be a bad guy because of the fucking monitor. He was, it's just, it's weird. It's just, it's weird to think about, but um, yeah, I like Kimmy. I think Kimmy, Kimmy was a surprise. I was uh, pleasantly surprised by Kimmy. Um, There's only one other thing that I'll talk about. So if uh, someone else wants to mention anything particularly notable that they have uh, watched recently, feel free. Now's the time. Kyle, you got anything? I will touch on Coda real quick since you guys both have seen it. Um, Trying to catch up on these Oscar movies. And I liked Coda, but I didn't love it by any means. I it wrote was my review. fine. It's a very well-made freeform movie. <laughs> and if you know what freeform is, then that's what came out of ABC Family. Listen, I don't appreciate <laughs> you coming into this uh, with that kind <laughs> of uh, fire. <laughs> um, I know you love it, Matt. I'm sorry, but that's 
<laughs> Travis, back me up here. <laughs> oh yeah, my letterbox review was a little too precious. But I did it give is it three stars. Very sentimental. I agree, mm-hmm. but you know. Done yeah, well. Uh, I like sentimentality. Yeah, well made and obviously it's an Apple original film. Um I thought a lot of the shots on the sea looked really good, but uh yeah, I don't can know, only just, yeah, the, take you the, so far though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, it was like a super precious version of I mean, I think a lot of the things that Sound of Metal did were more interesting than Coda. I know they're going for different things, they're about different things, but similar subjects and yeah, Coda was yeah, a little too little too schmaltzy. precious. Precious, sure. <laughs> Without trying to use the same word. Yeah, that's kinda how I felt about it. I was in the first ten, fifteen minutes or so, but then as it unfolded I was just like, This is just like uh pay by numbers. What happens in the first ten or fifteen minutes? That that exchange with her and her brother. <laughs> After that I was like, Oh, okay, and I know what Travis is talking about now. No, I, I, yeah, I guess I wasn't calling each other names. I guess I wasn't bothered by it yet, but then as it went on, it just it just kept doing that, and then I was like, I was out for the most <laughs> part. The stuff that didn't really work for me is the 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 music, the choir teacher. Oh yeah, like he was his the worst. character. <laughs> so derivative and just like. <clears throat> over the top and he's not a good actor either so it just i like the family sentimentality and i did really like what his character did for the protagonist and that i really like the moments where she is like you know shy to sing and she really just like is fucking belting it out like i those scenes work for me but his character was just it was too much you know it, it didn't like ruin the movie for me by any means I like that kind of like saccharine bullshit a lot of the yeah, time. It's, yeah, it's just a lot of the writing, like some of the, you know, the, again, low hanging fruit jokes of, oh, what, did, you know, he meant to say this, but oh, what did he actually sign? He signed fuck you or something like that. It's like, okay, I knew that was coming eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't great. And, you know, like it, there's, it has those like, was this a Sundance movie? It feels like a Sundance movie. I think so. It feels like a Sundance movie in the sense that, like, of course the parents are, like, fuck machines, you know? Like, they're, like, (laughs) there's a whole thing where they're just, like, we're just so horny for each other. We can't keep our hands (laughs) off each other. It's, like, that feels... Have you seen how hot she is? Yeah. It's, like, talking to his own kids, like, okay, come on. And it is, you know, I I like the bit works in the sense that they're... For a bit. Yeah. It's you get some mileage. I mean, the fact it's it's funny because like they're it's a deaf family, so obviously like when they're fucking like beasts, they don't know how loud they're being. So it's like, ha ha, he happened to be in the house when they're porking each other. Fine, you know that's funny, but then the whole they have to like have the family meeting where the dad's like, I'm sorry, I just can't help myself. Your mom is super (laughs) fuckable, you know. Like (laughs) that was a little. I was like, okay, you know, you could have just been loud. Like you didn't have to have the the follow up scene to make it even more (laughs) uncomfortable. But yeah, um, is Coda gonna win the Best Picture Oscar? No, not even close. I would hope not. You know, I'm not saying I'm not saying it should. I'm saying will it? It's got <laughs> if uh, the, if all the other movies steal votes, like end up splitting votes, then that 
It might, yeah. But the elements are there. That's all I'm saying. All the elements are there. It, uh, yeah, it it is an elements as an Oscar bait. (laughs) Like that's kind of how it felt. It's inoffensive and it's crowd pleasing. You know. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So they love that shit. Eat that shit up. (laughs) Sick. Um. Um, only other one that is worth mentioning is Nightmare Alley. Again, another Best Picture nominee. I was kind of undersold uh, this movie by someone, and it's not the much, whole world. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't give it much higher of a of a rating, but I think it could actually go up on rewatch. And I think the way that it ends allows you to recontextualize the movie and get more from it. Now, the I ending was cool because Matt, I know you haven't seen it, but. Uh, if you're a fan of GDLT, definitely check it out. Yeah, I, it's on the list. I'm going to try to catch up with all the Oscar. Um, it, it's nominated it's on, for Best um, Picture, right? It's on Hulu right now. so The ending saved it. I mean, obviously it looks great. There's some good uh, performances in it as well. But beyond that, I was not entertained. Mm. I thought the mystery... And the thriller aspect was enough to keep it going. And I do wish, you know what I no. learned after watching it was I think DiCaprio was attached and I think he would have been amazing in that role of uh, Stanton Carlisle. Instead of Bradley Cooper. Cooper. I mean, Bradley Cooper is good, but... I thought he was good in it, but... Yeah, yeah. I thought he was, but I'm saying like, I'm just imagining DiCaprio in that and could have been huge. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, one more pass through editing this thing would have uh done it a favor well i know that you are not a fan of this runtime here <laughs> it's a long movie i mean if the movie's good runtime doesn't matter but two this, and a half hours in this instance the movie was not great long time or <laughs> the runtime was long therefore i felt suffered. it i did feel it a little bit but uh, yeah, and again i have i didn't, didn't? Even give it much higher than you so <laughs> Um, cool. Speaking of uh, Guillermo, uh, mm-hmm. have either of you caught up with Antlers yet? Have not. Have not. Um, I did, and don't. That's what I have to say. <laughs> it's okay. not bad. It's it's very underwhelming. Like I was honestly looking forward to Antlers since I saw the first trailer like fifteen years ago at this point. So mm-hmm. I was like excited to finally be able to watch it, and it's very underwhelming. There are some scenes that are pretty creepy and there's like the atmosphere that it cultivates mostly works, but it's really slow and boring. And like, I like that it's trying to explore, like it's taking this uh, indigenous um, myth of the Wendigo and making it, you know, a super dark horror film, but it's just kind of a drag and some of the, like, it's pretty heavy-handed with its metaphors of, like, you know, uh, pillaging the earth, poisoning the earth, and nature striking Wait. back. And Scott Cooper being heavy-handed? No way. I know your mind is probably blown, but <laughs> sorry to report that it's uh, pretty heavy-handed. I do like some of his movies, but he is pretty heavy-handed. <laughs> I have yet to, so I've seen Antlers, I think Out of the Furnace might be, I've never seen Black Mass or 
What's the fucking cowboy one with crazy hostiles? Hostiles, yeah. Oh, hostiles. Oh, and Crazy Heart. Mm. I still haven't seen Crazy Heart. So, Crazy Heart was these good. It's like a uh, lesser version of the wrestler. Why am I? Why did I think he directed Killing Them Softly? Who directed Killing Them Softly? Andrew Dominic. Mm-hmm. These are different people. I'm finding out mm-hmm. now. <laughs> Um, they are in fact different men. <laughs> what did what did Andrew Dominic do? Oh, assassination of uh, Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yep. Yeah, I thought they were the same person up until today. So that's cool. <laughs> um. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. Antler is disappointing after uh, killing them softly. Bummer. No. Definitely. Uh, it's not bad. <laughs> but I wouldn't prioritize. I don't know if either. of Sounds like neither of you have watched it, so clearly I'm weren't out. prioritizing it. But nope, <laughs> I you mean, don't need yeah, to. What, I wasn't even going to prioritize it for the cram jam, and now that last year is over, it's it's at the bottom of the pile. It can stay there. Yeah, I don't envision either of you guys loving it. So wasn't a waste of time, but not great. Um, the only other thing I need to mention is that I rewatched one of my childhood classic comedies, um, due to the lead actor's Mm. appearance this season on Celebrity Big Brother, uh, Porky Romano, (laughs) either of you guys familiar? Uh, I know, yeah. I've, I think I've seen the edited version (laughs) on Comedy Central. Oh, man. The only thing I'm familiar with is, you guys want some cookies? You guys want some cookies? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, Quirky Romano, (laughs) let me be the first to tell you, it holds up, right? Is it a good movie? Absolutely not. Is it incredibly offensive with its homophobia? Big time. Was I fucking cracking up watching Chris Kattan uh, get high on cocaine and try to talk to a pooch? Yes dying uh for those who aren't familiar corky romano chris Catan plays a veterinarian who's like the little brother in a mob family and he like <laughs> the the lead the the head of the mob family uh played by peter falk by the way iconic uh, 70s film actor um mm-hmm. plays the leader of this mob family and quirky has to go undercover in the fbi to like basically interfere with their investigation and it this oh man so many good bits it's um worth a watch and you guys i'd be curious to see if you like it i landed on three stars but only because like morally i can't give it higher than that because it's just so offensive (laughs) in many ways but (laughs) i was dying i was (laughs) (laughs) i was like a billy madison situation appreciate Um, it love it but is it super well made it's well, objectively it's a worse movie than Billy Madison. And I'm not even the I'm l- biggest Billy Madison guy, but yeah, that's what I'm I looking am. at here. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, basically 1. nine on letterboxd. It's huge. Yeah. I mean, Travis, you brought up the fact that, uh, Texas chainsaw has a two star average. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't always judge a film by its letterbox aggregate score. So I'm mm-hmm. just going to say, Give Corky Romano a chance. Is all I'm gonna say. <clears throat> I would definitely be more willing to give this a chance before the new TCM. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You heard it here first, guys. Corky Even though I've Romano. had 20 years to check this one out and haven't, I'm still more interested in it than the uh, 
the new movie that just came out. <laughs> well, well, they both have runtimes that you would love, so beautiful. Yeah. Listen, you're going to love the runtime. You already have a deep affection for uh, the uh, Poochie One or whatever it is, Poochie One a Cracker. What is it? Tell me again. I don't know. I You said it. I don't know. No, you said it. What, you guys want some cookies? Yes. Okay. Why do you know that? <laughs> that's, I don't know, I probably the trailer. Like, I I saw the trailer a bunch growing up, and that's, like, the one thing that stood out. Like, that is that movie to me, is that one line. Dude, <laughs> I feel like if you and Tyler saw this movie when you guys were fucking 13 oh, or whatever God. when it came out, you would have loved this. You would have played the VHS copy probably. until it broke. Yeah, I mean, movies were much harder to get your hands on back then. You just kind of watched what was uh, there. <laughs> yeah, this this was definitely, uh, we had this on VHS, so I watch it all the time movie for me. Yeah. This, so the staples of that era of my life <laughs> were Corky Romano, Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. Yes. And, um, oh, fuck, what's the other one? There was some other comedy. Oh, from that era. I can't remember. Some other movie road that trip? I had on constant rotation. No, Road Trip sucks. It sucked then. It I sucks love. Now. No, I loved Road Trip growing up. Oh, man. No. <laughs> bad. It's bad movie is bad. Um, yeah. Quirky Romano. Kung Pao, though. I, I am dying for a rewatch of that movie, too. I've so never so seen many, Kung Pao rules. So many iconic lines. My nipples look like milk duds. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so many huge lines. <laughs> That's a lot of nuts. I'm just a birdie. <laughs> Bird. Taco Bell, Taco Bell. <laughs> In Chirito, mucho burrito. All right, the rest of this podcast is just me Man. and Kyle quoting, uh, quoting Kung, Kung Pao. Pao. <laughs> oh, fuck. Don't know if I can top that. It's going to be the first, uh, when the Patreon drops, it's going to be the first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, commentary premium. track of Kung Pao. Oh, I would love a commentary track of Kung Pao. <laughs> yeah. Um, very cool. That's all I got. What do you, anything else you guys right. uh, you need guys, to mention? You guys both done? Mm-hmm. Do you have something, Travis? I have two I would like to touch on. Fuck yeah, let's hear it. So I will start with the worst person in the world. Finally caught up with this one in the um. theater uh, about a couple weeks ago. And uh, liked it a lot. I know it was a like one of the more anticipated films of last year. Some might consider it a 2022 film, and I don't know. That's that's weird. It's not gonna be on my list of 2022 films. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> I know you're not naming names, but uh, <laughs> uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, <laughs> well, 2021 versus uh, 2022? I live in a little town called. Potterville with a population of about 100 people. Um, yeah, don't can't uh, get access to these movies. So wait, that I'm can't be true. No, 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 no. Wait, he's lying. 100 people that you're lying, right? No, there's probably like a thousand. Still, no. that your town's that small. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, not a thousand. You... Come on. Yeah. Really? Is it a? Yes. It must be a really small town then. Yeah, it is. <laughs> what are you talking about? Population well, like, two thousand six hundred seventeen. Doesn't yeah. even know the population of his own fucking town. Way to go, Kyle! It's yeah, roughly the same size as my hometown. So <laughs> I'd say it's probably yeah, around that twenty six hundred. All right, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Anyways, Regardless, uh, you can't. I can't get access to these movies. Like 
we've talked about this countless times now, but if if I want to make a list and I want to give each movie their proper due diligence and like, sorry, man, the world doesn't work that way. You just gotta hey, roll. It's with the my list. <laughs> I can do what I want. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Um. Anyways, worst person in the world. I liked a lot. Uh. I. Th- think you guys would like it quite a bit Matt it des- definitely seems right up your alley it's a uh, kind of has like hints of marriage story or even like I wouldn't say like before sunset but it kind of has that vibe where it's like you know deeper a little more philosophical um, not like your traditional rom-com but um, you know deals with relationships and the ups and downs of them um, it's also broken up into like 12 different chapters, which I didn't realize until I was watching it. So I think in that aspect, it's maybe easier to like, like other chapters than others or think some were, you know, not as important as others. And then the main thing that's holding this back from being like perfect for me was, I think there's like a couple like stylistic choices where it's maybe a little too much and also it does feel like it's trying to do maybe a little too much like tackle too many topics and if it was a little more succinct it would have been like i don't know more cohesive and just a better watch but um i would say for the most part it was really effective um i really liked some of the final moments it is uh kind of sad i did tear up a little bit actually which is a rare occurrence for me Whoa. So um, it does have that going for it. <laughs> you should have led with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it need you tear up, what's it going to do to Matt? I might not survive. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's just one little, there's a through line that is kind of sad, but um, don't want to spoil it. But yeah, very strong. Um, I could maybe uh, forgive some of my issues with it on a rewatch, but um yeah, I gave it a 4.5 on my first viewing. Very strong entry. Mm-hmm. Sick. Have you, so I know you've seen um, Oslo August 31st, right? Mm-hmm. I think we talked about it. That movie is amazing. Have you seen any of this director's other films? Uh, I don't think I have, unless I'm missing I have not. I'm very curious um, to go I back. think I like this one. Slightly more than Oslo, but they're pretty close. But yeah, I would be curious to check out some of his other stuff. Like Thelma seems a little bit different than some of his other stuff. It seems a little more like thriller than some of his other work. And then um, Louder Than Bombs was the other one, yeah. And I think Reprise was the one that put him on the map. Yeah, yeah. But those seem more just like straight dramas. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm excited to see it. Um, hopefully, I can see it. It was playing at the like local like indie theater here, but it came and went, so I didn't get a chance to see it in a theater. So, hopefully, it's uh, streaming somewhere before uh, the old uh, Oscar day. But we'll see. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's um, it's like really resonates with people around our age, though. Like, you know, early to mid thirties, I think is. Kind of the sweet spot for it. 
cool. I'm excited to catch up on that. And the last thing I will touch on is Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Have not watched this since the theater. I uh, I didn't buy the 4K, but I used some reward points on my works uh, rewards program site and got the 4K <laughs> uh, from there and uh, been meaning to check it out and finally did. And uh, I remember this being okay when I saw it in the theater and my memory or like its critical response I thought was like mostly mixed and people are more negative on it than positive I don't know if that's correct or not I think people were probably in line where what where I'm at where I think there's some really good elements of it but then for every like really cool idea or element to it there's also like a really bad element to it so at the end of the day, you're kind of a mixed reaction to it because there's some like really egregious stuff that pulls it down. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I do think it's uh, really good. Like I really like the first half, especially when like, you know, contact comes, shit is crazy. Um, it also feels a, like more, um, what's the word for it? Like, like darker for a Steven Spielberg movie, like just some of the shots and some of the things that happen in the movie, you wouldn't really expect or anticipate in a Steven Spielberg movie. Um, but yeah, the stuff that I don't really like is the Tim Robbins stuff goes on way too much. Yep. It I kind remember of that. Uh, grinds to a halt there for a moment. <laughs> and uh, the sun that actor and his yeah, character, Justin Chatwin, he is brutal. It's the fucking worst. <laughs> he is brutal. <laughs> Especially his character. His character, like, you almost feel bad for the actor, even though I don't think he's a great actor. Like, I, he's just given the, like, bratty, like, douchebag teenage son role. And as a result, he, he's just, like, completely unlikable. But then there's certain like motivations of his character that just really don't make sense and kind of come out of nowhere or just feel like half baked. And so like those elements really bringing it down. But like, like I said, the all the alien stuff is awesome. And then like the sequence of them trying to drive through that mob of people is really good. Um, mm -hmm. Tom Cr Cruise is great in it as well. But yeah, there's just some aspects that really bring it down, unfortunately. The only scene I really remember from that movie is the like basement scene where the That's uh, the Tim Robbins stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's during that part of the movie. Um but I remember that being like a pretty tense like where the the eye thing or whatever is like searching for him in the basement and Tom Cruise is like, you know, trying to hide. Yeah. I remember that being a good scene, pretty tense. Um and I love the the weird like human like the bags or whatever like the webs it's like i i remember it it almost in my memory it's like uh like almost like red spider web type bags right <clears throat> I remember that well yeah because cool. the uh like the aliens like they kind of uh what's it called they like, like harvesting up, people right yeah, right yeah they like set up the planet like way back when and then they the aliens actually come out of the ground instead of like 
you know, making contact and coming to Earth. They like come up through Earth. It's it's weird. Right. It's, it's like it's, they like planted seeds. He was trying to do something different than like the original, and that was like one of the aspects he changed was that they were like planting seeds, basically, because uh, this seemed like a good place to try and take over eventually. Mm-hmm. Right. Like like Gears of War, the old Gears of War. The locust in the in the ground. They were there the whole time. Trope. Yeah, I don't remember the story, but <laughs> I will take your word for it. <laughs> um, cool. I, that's a, that's a movie I've been wanting to rewatch as well. It's um, definitely worth a watch. I was I really enjoyed certain aspects of it. There's just a couple things that like bring it down, but I would say I'm more positive than negative on it. Yeah, maybe not uh, Spielberg's best. Uh, 2000s output by any means no clearly that uh is minority report uh, i will be taking no questions um, <laughs> <More comments. laughs> um cool anything else <clears throat> from either of you one last thing uh um, don't need to get into it but matt any um inclination to rewatch lamb um not particularly no well, it's even better on a second viewing. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to and take your word for it. it in 4K. Travis, you going to get on this? Um, yeah, I plan on, on buying on that, that yeah. release. Yeah. It's beautiful. And the packaging, pretty good. Yeah, I love uh, overpaying for Blu-rays. It's like one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in no rush. I I think I need some separation if I am going to rewatch it. Um, yeah, we gave it. Matt gave it the nice try award on our. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. Is you gotta you gotta get in there and really really delve into the into the metaphors going on. It's pretty good. Maybe we'll see. Um, very cool. All right. Well. That's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate Anytime. having you here. Let's uh, go ahead and do your plugs. Yeah, so I host a podcast called Suds and Cinema where we feature a craft beer each episode, talk about it, and then talk about movies. So check us out on all platforms. Very cool. And Travis, let's hear your plugs. Where can I see your work? Uh... Well, I get yeah. I guess Letterbox. We don't really plug at the end of our <laughs> shows. You can catch me at my first and last name on Letterbox. Uh, I don't post ever really on Instagram, so don't follow me there because <laughs> I'm not very active. Um, yeah, I don't have much of an online presence, but if you want me to be on your podcast, just uh, hit me up and I'll probably uh, make time for it. So, <laughs> the old gun for hire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got him on retainer now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, very cool. And nothing for me. Uh, play Elden Ring. That's what I'm going to plug. And, uh, oh. Real quick, I don't really want to talk about it because I don't have anything to say. But did you have either of you guys checked out Peacemaker yet? No, have not. I will say you should. Um, 
You guys like James Gunn, right? You guys are James Gunn heads? I like James Gunn, yeah. Uh, but I'm not Matt. the biggest fan of John Cena. Uh, you Or be. TV. I'm not a fan <laughs> of TV as well. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a big TV guy either, unless it it's better uh, reality TV. But Be worth it. Oh, it's yeah, huge reality TV. Trash all the way. It I love. is uh, pretty funny. Uh, it's very crude. John Cena, um, I'm kind of amazed that he is He's good? Crude. He is... Well... He's good. I like the character of Peacemaker. And you guys saw the Suicide Squad, right? Did you guys catch up with that? I did. Yes. Seen it. It's, I like it more than that, I think, because it's really doubling down on the humor. Um, That's pretty funny. Next question. It doesn't all work. Yeah. It's pretty funny, though. And it's very, very graphic, um, both in its violence (laughs) and in its sexual content and its uh, language. I'm in. Um, yeah, lots, very crude in the best way. Uh, lots of dick jokes. There's a whole in the sec second or third episode. There's a whole like two minute bit about Louis CK showing his dick. And there's like a back and forth. Basically John Cena calls this other guy, Louis CK. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Louis CK showed his dick. And he's like, what? Yeah. Louis CK, you know, Louis CK shows his dick to people. He's like, Oh, he's funny. I like that guy. Like there's just like a whole thing about dicks. It's, it's huge. Um, check her out peacemaker um oh yeah i was closing the show sorry uh episode 103 we did it thank you kyle thank you travis of course we're, we're gonna try mm-hmm. to be more um active this year um we'll see if you're here for tom um i'm sorry but i don't know when you're gonna <laughs> i don't know when you're gonna hear tom's voice again but um you know we're gonna pull from the roster we got friends God forbid mm-hmm. Travis and I talk to each other. You know, if it comes to that, we will. But <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah. we'll see. But thank you for listening, everybody. And uh, see you next time. Okay.